my genuine expectation that uh, increasingly we're going to see these things. We're going to see people's lives restored. We're going to see people healed. We're going to see them set free from demonic influences. We're going to see seeing people living different lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jubilee is all about. That's why we exist. That's why we're here in Sully Hull. Do you know, it's already happening. I started, uh, as I always do at this time of year, I started looking back over the year and just tracking some of the things that we've seen, some of the things that have happened. Now, I can't share with you all the stories. Not all the stories are out there yet, okay? But I can share some with you, and I can remind you of some others. So I'm just going to start by telling some stories and as I was writing and starting to list, I realized that I had completely skewed the whole talk. Because if I was going to tell all the stories of things that God has done in people's lives this year, I wouldn't have time for anything else. Isn't that wonderful? So I haven't put everybody's stories in. But we really want to encourage people to start to share their stories, start to bring their testimony. So next week, uh, the hills are going to talk to us. John and Claire Hill are going to share some stuff with us about some amazing things that God has done in their lives. We're going to have lots of stories to share. But, you know, just, I don't know, it was a couple of weeks, hardly weeks, maybe even months, uh, that Andrea shared her testimony about her ankle being healed. And she's got a job which means she has to stand up all day, every day. Isn't that right, Andrea? And, you know, twisting your ankle, especially in a nasty way that she had, her ligaments were twisted out of place. It takes a long time to recover, and she needed God to heal her. And so a couple of us just got around and prayed for her, and we watched as the ligament moved across her foot back into place. It moved a bit, we all went, oh, like that, and then we prayed again, and it went right back into place, the pain went completely, and from immediately, Andrea was able to run up and down, walk around, which is a miracle in itself, isn't it? Just being able to run up and down. So, so isn't that fantastic? What God did right here, right here, we watched it happen. Praise God. That's the kind of thing that's been going on. And uh, some of you will be aware, we've been praying for a little boy in our church called Barney, uh, Barney Wilson was born with all sorts of different conditions, and one of those conditions is meant that he probably would never really gain bladder control as he was growing up, which was just really difficult. And uh, it's about a year ago that they were told, was it a year or more, perhaps more, uh, that Trevor and Wendy were told that, and they were indignant about it. And they said, no, we're not having that. Let's get him prayed for. Let's pray. So a few of us again, uh, we just gathered around and prayed for Barney, didn't we? And uh, it seemed within weeks there was a change. Within months, the change was incredible. And the testimony was given up here at the front that Barney is dry. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, what you don't appreciate is there was a physical reason why he couldn't be. His bladder was the wrong shape. Okay, so physically, that's a very difficult thing to have happen. That's an amazing thing. So this week, Wendy went to the children's hospital for the appointment and found that some amazing change had taken place and they can't explain uh, the transformation in Barney's bladder because he is now living pretty normally. Okay, so 
Is that right? Have I got that right, Trev? Yeah, he is on medication, very, very small amount of medication, but the consultant this week was just, this incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So isn't that wonderful? God is moving. People are getting healed. Things that are impossible are being made possible. And uh, I've also shared with you the story recently about Ian. Ian, who was a part of the church for a number of years. We prayed for him just after he became a Christian, uh, about just three years ago now, because uh, after his baptism, and many of you will remember Ian's baptism, and we all cried as he told his story, because he told this story of, uh, uh, of just terrible darkness and despair and attempted suicide and all those sorts of things. After his baptism, he became incredibly depressed, incredibly depressed. He couldn't, he couldn't function. He was so ill with depression. But he insisted on a family member bringing him to church so he could be prayed for. And uh, rather naively, a few of us gathered around and prayed, having no idea of how serious this situation was. We prayed for Ian, and next week he was back at church. I said, oh, that's great. And he says, I'm better. I said, oh, wonderful, that's great. I'm glad you feel better. And then he kept saying time after time, do you know, I know why, I can tell you why God is real. Because I haven't been in a mental hospital since I've been a Christian. And it was only about six months ago I found out the full story that actually as a teenager, Ian was diagnosed bipolar. And so for most of his growing up teenage to adult life, he'd been in and out of a mental hospital. Since he's become a Christian, this is three years on now, he's not had a single major dip or a major high. He's been level. And things have happened in his life that would throw people, things that would upset you, he's been level. In fact, on one particular occasion, he said to me, I'm really, I'm feeling really down about this situation in my life and I feel happy about it. I said, what? And he said, well, because when I used to feel down, that was a pit I never got out of. So when I feel down now, I know it's just for a day because God's done something amazing in his life. He was being visited every day by the psychiatric nurse because of the risk of suicide. Uh, he's now been downgraded to a once a year checkup. Come on! <laughs> Isn't God good? This is just happening amongst us, just in the church here. And uh, I was just, I loved the baptisms in February. Uh, who was here for the baptisms and the stories that we heard? Wasn't it amazing, some of those stories? But the one that really stood out to me was Angie's story. And Angie's in Africa at the moment, visiting her family. And I just thought, I've got to read this to you again, because I took a note of what she said. Uh, and this is word for word what Ange said uh, at, a, at her baptism. She said, Before I joined Jubilee, I was lonely and my heart was full of problems. I didn't know where to get the answer to my problems. I had no peace, no confidence, and I was full of worries. I spent many years without having a proper sleep at night like other people. I was always having horrible dreams. I would scream in the night until I ended up in a mental hospital. During all those years, I lived in very deep darkness, and I didn't know any way out. She went on, I'm standing here today telling you the goodness I found in the house of God. 
the teaching and training I've had in this church has helped me to understand more about God. Also, I've realized the love and care that I've found in this church, and it's transformed my life. She says, I am now a changed person. I can sleep all night without fear. I found friends and I can, talk, I can talk to when I need someone to talk to and I don't feel lonely anymore. Guys, you have no idea the extent of the story. It's incredible what God has done. The fact that Ange is living a normal life and is going from strength to strength and doing really well is just all down to God's goodness. It's amazing. There are so many other stories, so many stories of things that are going on, many of which I can't tell you. Uh, there are other people's stories to tell. And I'm hoping, as I said at the beginning, that people will be talking about some of those things. You know, God's been working on some very deep things, some very personal things in people's lives. And there have been some amazing emotional healings amongst us as well as physical ones, because we believe God heals the whole person, don't we? Not just our bodies, and also some spiritual uh, healings as well. God setting people free from demonic forces. Amazing, significant deliverances. And do you know, this is just the beginning. This is what God is starting. We're just starting out, and God is doing these things amongst us. And there's going to be a lot more stories. I really believe that. Uh, I want us to be a storytelling church, God doing things in people's lives. I think particularly, sorry, this is going to be one of those slightly unstructured rambly talks. Is that okay with you? I've just got a load of stuff to share today. So um, I, over the summer, I was, uh, I was sitting in France, enjoying the sunshine, which I now miss, and as I was sitting in my chair, and I was, I was doing a, some, a bit of Bible reading, but I wasn't being particularly spiritual. I was more enjoying the sun. And suddenly, it's like God came and stood next to me, really vivid impression of somebody standing right next to me. And he just said one thing. He said, I've given you a healing gift. Why aren't you using it? Oh, <laughs> I thought I was. And I just felt the gentleness of the Lord in the, that God wants to, to unlock a whole load of healings. He wasn't just speaking to me, he was talking to us. I believe that God is wanting to unlock healing, particularly in this next season. We're going to see many people healed amongst us. We've seen some. We're going to see many more healings amongst us. Um, when I got back from France, I'd been back just a couple of days, and I was just walking home, and I was walking along the road and saw one of my neighbours, and he is a guy called Charles, and he was driving one of those three-wheeler wheeler electric bikes. And I said, Charles, what are you doing in, in that electric chair? I've not seen you in that, not electric chair, that's not good. <laughs> electric scooter. And he says, well, it's just really sad, but, you know, I've suddenly lost my ability to walk. Over the summer, I, my right leg just stopped working. Been to the doctors, they don't know what's wrong with me. And uh, he says, it's awful, I have to take the dog for a walk every day, and he just has to trundle along with me, and I, I feel really upset about it. He's a man in his 70s, perhaps. So I said, well, could I pray for you? I remembered what God had told me in the garden. <laughs> 
So I said, is it okay if I pray for you? And he said, oh yeah, you're the vicar from, um, yeah, down in... I said, yeah, that's right, I'm the vicar from down there. And he says, yeah, I've heard that you're a vicar. Yeah, okay, you can pray for me. So I just prayed a very simple prayer for him. I said, please, will you tell me what happens? So normally he's up and down my road all the time. I don't see him for a week. I don't see him for two. And I start thinking, oh my goodness, I hope he's not died or something. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know where he was or what he was doing, but my neighbour told me, hey, you know you prayed for Charles? I said, yeah, I did. How did you know? He said, oh, he told me. We're good friends. I said, ah, right, okay, how is he? He's completely better. So, Charles is now walking up and down my road again. Now that the news is out, it's gone around the neighbourhood. God's doing something in my neighbourhood. He's doing something in our neighbourhood. And I know that there's a bunch of people here who are wanting to see that happen on the streets more and more. There's some people here that are going out treasure hunting with John Marshall and Tim here. They're going out and they're praying for people on the streets. And you know, I believe that we're going to see many, many healings on the streets of Sully Hall. Is that okay? <laughs> but this is the kind of stuff we're expecting. This is what we're seeing for this year. And I think this is what God's leading us into. And not just one-offs. Not just, oh, that was a nice story, and here another one in ten years' time. I believe this is going to be a regular feature of our church, that we're going to see people heal the sick, the poor the abused, the addicted, the lost, the transformed in whole areas of their lives. We're going to see those things happen. And we've got a lot to learn. We've got a lot of areas that we need to grow in. We need to pray into some of these things. We need to stand in some things. And we need, yeah, we need a whole load of learning and a whole load of experiencing to see this happen on a bigger scale. But I think that's what God's up to with us this year. That's the journey that he's taking us on. And, you know, our vision, Jubilee vision, is far too big for us. It's far too ambitious. Uh, and I often say that the vision God's given us is impossible for us to fulfill without God. Well, that kind of sums it up, really. You know, if God doesn't turn up, if he's not with us, none of these things will happen. But they will happen because he is with us. He is with us, and he is already working amongst us. So, Lord, I just pray. Oh, Lord, just woof. Lord, a whole load of faith. Just release now on the church for what you're going to do. For the rest of the things that I share today, just let faith be released now in Jesus' name all over this room. Gift of faith just ignite in people's hearts in Jesus' name. So what I want to, in the more structured part of this talk, what I want to do is step back a bit from this huge vision, which is a bit overwhelming, and look at just this year. And I've already hinted at some of the things I feel God's going to do. That's sort of 2013 to 14, we sort of work from September to September. And let's look at what God's going to do. What's the main emphasis of what we feel God's going to do? What's the main priority? Where will we be this time next year with the help of the Holy Spirit which next year, by the way, will be five years from when we started the church. So where are we going to be in our fifth year? 
So let me just remind you a bit, first of all, of the journey that we've already begun. It started in 2010, the beginning of Jubilee was then, and year one was primarily about foundations. It was about foundational stuff, why we exist, what we're about, what Jubilee represents. Year two was about culture. So what does it feel like to be a part of a church like this? What's the atmosphere of this church going to be? What, what is our expectation of one another? What's our culture together? What do we allow in and keep out? Our culture. And we keep talking about culture. It's very important that we continue uh, to remind one another of that. And year three, which was last year, was all about... Can anybody tell me? <laughs> going... <laughs> Sorry, can you say that again? Going public is all about changing the orientation of our outlook, changing it from a sort of inward-looking kind of, we've been focused a bit on building and foundations, but just changing that orientation uh, and uh, from being inward to more outward-looking. And it was necessary to focus on just building the church at the beginning, uh, focus on those foundational issues, but we needed to change that. We needed to change that orientation to be more mission-orientated, more gospel-focused. And I don't know about you, but I think this has happened. I, d- I don't think we can escape from it. It's all over the church. It's all over what God is doing amongst us. And it's almost been like an inescapable change. I felt like I've been running a bit to catch up. You know, you get people to come in and speak, and what do they speak on? The gospel. What do they do? They talk about mission. Over and over again, it came through the themes of the year to make us more uh, gospel-focused. And I was blown away, you know, by the weekend with Angela. I mean, she so gently and firmly challenged us right into our hearts, didn't she? On that Friday evening, I don't think I'll forget that, but where are we going next? She just pushed us through a whole group of people into the purposes of God, the missional purposes of God. And at each stage as she led us, she asked us these questions, and then she asked for another commitment, didn't she? For another step. Are you going to go the next step? Are we going to do the next step? And she just talked to Steve and I after and said she was so impressed with the church. She's travelled all around and she's never met so little resistance and so much passion for God in a group of people in England. That's high praise. And year three, I think, has also been a year of gathering. Uh, We prayed to the Lord of the harvest. It's been a continual prayer really, certainly of the elders, but also in our prayer meetings together, that Lord would send us more workers, because there's a big harvest out there, and we do have this vision to reach out to people that are broken and damaged and lost, but we can't do that without some help, (laughs) and we've needed some help. It's just been great to have a number of people just been added to us over this year, people that have just come in ready to go, ready to serve. It's just great, I think it was the first or second Sunday that John Marshall was here, he says, why aren't I on a rotor yet? You know, I want to be on the kids' work road, I want to be doing this and that and everything else. It's just brilliant just to have that heart, just to have that amongst us. So God has been gathering some people. So that's year three. So what about year four? Where are we going? What is it that God is doing with us 
this year? Well, it is building on what God started last year. Only this time, it's not just about changing the orientation of the church. It's a lot to do with doing, actually doing some things. And it, this sounds clumsy as a kind of uh, description or a mission statement, but I believe that we're this year it's not just so much about going public, it's doing public. I've mentioned that phrase a few times, I've been slipping it into conversations and prayer meetings and that kind of thing. But really I think what it, what it means is that a lot more is going to be happening. There's going to be a lot more things going on amongst us, and so this year is primarily about equipping the church for service. Primarily about equipping the church for service. We're doing public stuff, so we need to be equipped for that. And I think if I was to talk biblically, which is always a good thing in a vision talk, is to root it in some scripture, I think the place that we're in now is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, which my delightful assistant is going to read to us. Joe, could you come and read that passage for us? Thank you. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Thank you. Now, I'm not going to do a long exposition of that passage today because we're actually going to keep coming back to it this year. I think that's going to be one of our kind of core mass passages for the year. But I think it's the stage that we're at. That describes the stage that we're at. We've founded the church, we've set the culture, we've begun to determine its mission. Now we get to equip each other. Uh, that's the job that we as leaders have now got to do. That's what we've got to make sure happens. You know, church isn't just about what I do. I'm the full-timer, so I have to do everything. <laughs> Crumbs, I hope not. But it's not just about what the leaders do, what the elders do. It's about leaders releasing and equipping every member to play their part, which of course includes the leaders. We've got to play our part. But the primary job is for us to release and equip the church, that's our role, as well as the other ministries that are mentioned in that passage. I, I read this once, uh, Billy Graham's biography, where he described his leadership style, and he says that he's observed that many leaders, when they lead, act like conductors of an orchestra. So they stand at the front, and they conduct. And they tell everybody what to do, and they just stand at the front and conduct. And uh, he says, I'm not that kind of leader. He says, that's not my style. My style is more like that of a jazz band leader. And this kind of fits with me. You see, the difference is, is that jazz band leaders, you can hardly tell who the leader is if you watch a jazz band, except at key moments. They play as part of the band. They have their own instrument to play, their own gift and their skill. But the gift and the skill of that leader is being able to release Tim to play the drums at just the right moment for his drum solo. You know, that's the gift of a, a jazz band leader or Rob Bridgewater 
go for it with the electric guitar. There's your, your solo, you see. And so that's what the jazz band leader does. He, he finds that ability within himself to play an instrument and to take his lead, but also to help others to be who they are and be gifted as they are. I love that. That fits completely with what we want to try and do here. We want to release others into their mission. I love it. And it's what I want for us all because this is a crazy vision, okay? But this is what I want more than anything. I want every member of the church to know how to pray, how to prophesy, how to pray for the sick, how to cast out a demon, how to preach the gospel, and how to change somebody's life by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want everybody to know how to do some of that. How does that sound? Real body ministry. I don't want to just be the expert who everybody has to come to. I don't mind. I like praying for people. I want everybody to have confidence in who they are in Christ and stepping out and praying for people, for the sick, for prophesying. You know? That's what I want. That's what I long for. Because you see, the gospel isn't just theoretical. It's got to have an outcome. You know, the gospel, if you just muse over it and theorize over it forever, it will kill you. It will, you will just get dead with theory. The gospel has to be practiced in all of our lives. We have to practice the gospel. And some of us, you know, if we're honest, we'd rather stay theoretical. It's easier. It's less risky. You know, let somebody else, let the professionals do that. I don't want to do that. There's something about the gospel that has to have an outlet, something that has to be demonstrated. I read this uh, passage again recently and just saw it afresh. Jesus speaking, saying in Matthew 24, 14, says this, he says, and he says, and this gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. This gospel. I started thinking about what, what do you mean this gospel? Jesus talking. He says this gospel. You know, the one that I've been doing? This gospel. Not just the words, but what goes with it. This gospel. What was Jesus' gospel? James Maloney, who's a writer and preacher, he, he points out from about this verse that it was signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus was talking about. All of Jesus' teaching, all of his preaching was put into action by using the miraculous. <laughs> it's like Jesus says, look, I'm the Son of God. I am salvation. Now I'll prove it to you. Bring me the sick. <laughs> Staggering. This gospel has got to be preached. I don't think it has been. I don't think that gospel has been preached to the end of the world yet. Do you? I don't think that gospel has been preached to every nation, to every people group. I think a version of it might have been told, but not demonstrated. But it's got to be, because then the end will come. 
I don't know if you've ever heard Ram Babu. He's an Indian evangelist and he came to Birmingham a few years ago and he staggered the leadership team of all the Birmingham churches by standing up at the first meeting and he said, I will preach the gospel, I won't do his accent, and signs and wonders will follow and if they don't, I'm a liar and you can ignore what I've said. How about that? It's got to be demonstrated. There's got to be an outcome. There's got to be an outworking. We expect to see these things because the power of the gospel has all these things within it. They will be demonstrated. Preach and signs will follow. And that's where we're headed. We did a lot of preaching of the gospel and reminding one another of the gospel last year. I think we're moving into the next phase and we're going to equip the church for that. And even as I say it, I tremble. It's a big task. We are being equipped to do the stuff. And to some extent, this equipping never ends. It's part of what the church is all about. When Paul says, he says in Ephesians chapter 4 that Joe read for us there, he says that, that it was going to continue this equipping until a particular point. He says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So I think that equipping could go on for a long time. But I think that this year there's going to be a particular emphasis for us on equipping as we start to do more as a church. And I think it will become clear to us in three ways. Just, just going to say this very simply, three things that we're going to see. It's going to affect the way that we teach and it's going to affect our training. So the teaching series that we do, I don't know if you realize that we don't just pick ideas out of the sky and decide that we're going to teach on this because it's our favorite subject. We really seriously consider what we're going to teach and just seek the mind of God. And we just feel that God's been speaking to us this term between now and Christmas that we're going to be talking a lot about identity, a lot about identity, knowing who we are, in Christ. I mean, some of you will have heard some of the teaching before, but I think it needs repeating because actually there's no other reason why identity, let's put it this way, identity is the single biggest reason for a lack of confidence in demonstrating the gospel to the unbeliever. If you don't know that you have authority, it's very hard to exercise it. We need to know it before we can do it. So we're going to be talking about identity. If we really knew the authority that we have as Christians, we wouldn't hesitate, for example, to cast out demons and heal the sick. If we really knew. If we're not sure about it, don't do it. <laughs> and it's our lack of conviction sometimes about these fundamental teachings of who we are, these positional teachings that undermine us. So we're going to start with this in the teaching program from next week. And also training. There are training courses going on already in the church. We're doing preacher training, we're doing street evangelism, we're doing prophecy. We're dry running our first marriage course at the moment. And of course, Freedom in Christ, which is a fantastic equipping tool that's starting again next week. I encourage you to do it if you've not done that yet. 
Now, not all of these courses are available to everybody, partly because of space and also partly because uh, we invite people who we think really have a calling or a commission to do those sorts of things. We want to try and work with those people and encourage and release gifting in the church. Uh, but, you know, watch this space because even more opportunities are going to come your way over this year. Next weekend, for example, Ginny's coming and... You've not seen Ginny properly yet. Okay, you haven't heard the full story yet. Now, Ginny leads people to Christ waiting in the train station prophetically. Last time I was with her down in Bedford, she, and she was telling Alison as well about how God led her to this young man who was causing trouble, violent, in the, in Bedford railway station, and God said, go and sit next to him. And he ended up pouring out her heart, his heart to her. Just recently, somebody approached her 30 years later after she spoke to him and he became a Christian. He's been trying to find her. And she does it in that quiet way. And you don't even know quite how she does it. Fantastic example for each of us. So come to the training. It's, it's going to be great. And it's going to be equipping and there's going to be impartation, and there's going to be the release of prophetic gift into people's lives. So, come. And for me too, I'm training and uh, getting exposure to different things to help me grow. It's important that I'm able to do that as well. Um, So, I hope that will benefit you. I'm doing my first conference in the autumn, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. A prophecy conference is going to be fun. And then next year I've been invited to go to South Africa with Julian Adams to do a healing and signs and wonders conference. <laughs> I said, really? Me? <laughs> he said, yeah, I want you to come and heal people. I said, well, I'll pray and ask Jesus to do that. But yeah, I know what you mean. So... Uh, <laughs> I'm really excited about that and trying to get all that organized at the moment. So I want to get equipped, I want to get trained, and I want to bless you with that too. Because if I grow, it'll help all of you as well. Because I'll come back and make you feel envious with all the great things that I've seen God do. So pray for me, pray for Steve as well. He's got a busy job uh, that we can lead you in these things. So the first thing is training and teaching. Secondly, we're going to equip the church by other strategic ministries inputting us. So Paul tells us which ministries equip the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. They're all in Ephesians chapter 4. And so we're very strategic about who we invite. Sometimes the visiting speaker will be a teacher because we need teaching. Sometimes the visiting speaker will have more of an emphasis on where we're going, our strategy, the sort of strategic direction. So Angela brought that kind of an apostolic input. And John Groves as well, very similar, kind of this high big view that he brought to the church. And next weekend, as I said, we welcome some prophets and they're going to release people into new destinies, I believe. There's going to be personal prophecy uh, over different people in the church. Julian Adams is hopefully coming sometime next year. I'm trying to tie him down on a date, but I will. And uh, so he'll be coming and spending a weekend with us. And, uh, you know, these 
ministries that will bring a very particular emphasis on personal prophecy, that bringing direction, releasing people into direction and commissioning them. We've not yet had this emphasis. Haven't had the green light on it. Not felt it was right to invite those kind of ministries up in until now. And just at the before the some Easterish time, I don't know, sometime, just felt God start to speak to Steve and I about, yeah, it's time now. Start to have this. Start to do this. Start to release that. And then Ginny contacted me and said, I want to come for the weekend and I want to bring this. Yes! Personal prophecy is exactly what God's been speaking to us about, so that's why she's coming. I want you to understand the context. Alright? The timing is important. And it's, you know, anyway, said enough. Uh, next month as well, I'm spending the day with a chap called Chris Kilby. Some of you know him, uh, Adam's former church leader in Southampton. God's been using him amazingly in outreach, in evangelism, Life Church Southampton, taking the church out into the streets, into the park, and seeing amazing things happen. Spending some time with him with a view to him coming and helping us as a church and equipping us. Uh, in that area of evangelism. Thirdly, the church is going to be equipped through opportunities because it's no good learning all this stuff and then not having an outlet for it. Because if you just learn and have no outlet, it'll drive you mad. So we want to provide some opportunities for people to practice. So, for example, Sunday meeting, it's to practice. It's okay to prophesy in church and not get it completely right because we all love you it's okay to bring a word of knowledge and not quite get it spot on because as we practice together and as we love each other encourage each other support each other we can do it in our workplace in our schools in our playgrounds in in the street in the supermarket if we have that kind of atmosphere amongst us, that's what we want to do. Provide that's why we have an open mic and opportunities. Okay, you know that. But also life group prayer meetings, all those other meetings. But there are other opportunities coming to us to do the stuff through these sort of growing outreach ministries in the church. Toddlers, you know, toddlers. Yay! Thank you, Rebecca. Do you know, we had an email from somebody who's doing the toddler group, in the toddler group, please pray for me. Desperate situation in my family. That lady is now making an incredible effort to get here because of the support she's begun to get from those ladies. Yeah, come on! And you know, Alison wanted to start the toddler group in September, but God had other ideas and it started in April, March. Toddlers, treasure hunting. John Marshall and Tim can tell you about that. We're going to have some stories from them. Alpha. We're coming to the end of our time with Renewal, doing Alpha with them, because they're going in a slightly different direction. We're we're on our own. We're going to be starting our own Alpha course, probably by the end of the year. We're trying to work that out at the moment. Going to possibly hire the Balti Indian restaurant, the upper room up there, and do it there, or something like that. That's what we're working on at the moment. And then hopefully, it depends how things go with uh, our conversations with Chris, it'd be great if he could come and help us to put something on 
that's completely evangelistic that we can invite people to, or train us in that at least. There are also events that we're going to be running. I'm not going to go through all the detail and information on this. Uh, We're going to give you some information over the next few uh, life groups together. So we've got another Kaylee coming up at the end of November. Yay! Yay! Thanks, Alison. Um, And then the Christmas program, which we'll also be sharing with you. And these are all things that you can invite people to. They are opportunities. Do you know, just bring somebody to church, it'll change their lives. Yeah, it really will. People encounter God. We've had several visitors which is another list of stories that we haven't got time for. But in particular, there was a little uh, Chinese boy who came to church just two or three times and met with our life group, staying with the marshals, wrote me uh, a card and said, being with you at Jubilee has changed my life. Now, he has some kind of Christian faith, we think, but something about the church grabbed him and he's not seen a church like it before. Just being with us, it changes people's lives. Just being with a group of people who love Jesus. Let me sum up. It's going to be a year where we're equipped to do more stuff. The stuff of the gospel. It's going to happen through teaching and training, other ministries, opportunities coming away. It's going to be an exciting year. God's going to do some amazing things. And so what I want to ask you is to get stuck in. I'm asking you to commit again for this year to be with us. I'm asking you to really go for it with us. Now, I know that people have got other lives and jobs and that kind of thing. Even if you can't be here, be with us in heart and spirit. Pray for us. Pray for the church. Get stuck in. There's going to be opportunities. Take them up. Do it. You know, get to the prayer meeting. Be there. If we have a special meeting or a training opportunity, sign up for it. Get as much as you can. And, you know, I want to particularly ask you to be at the next Just Worship meeting. We are going to worship. We're going to go for it and encounter God. But that's because we've got some big things to pray about afterwards. I really want you to stand with us as we pray some of these things in. This vision is too big for us. We need God's hallmark on it. We need him involved amongst us. Be there on Sunday. You know, week in, week out. I know we're going into that dark season. Clocks change, it's cold. But be here. You know, we're believing God to change things about that. Not happened yet. But we're believing God for that. But let's keep focused on what God is doing. Let's keep focused on why we're here. Why we're building a church in Solihull. We're wanting to celebrate with people whose lives have been radically changed by Jesus. That's what we want. So over the next few weeks and months, there are going to be more stories. Uh, Simon Holly uh, famously said that he hated it in church when people clapped when they heard of a great story. Oh, God healed somebody. Wonderful. Very polite, sort of like at a cricket match. And he said to his church, he says, I want you to learn to cheer like it was you that just got healed, like it was you that just got changed.
Uh, we're English. We're solely whole. But we're going to see some amazing things. I think we're going to have to cheer because of what God is doing amongst us because he's on the move and it's wonderful to be a part of what he's doing today. Amen. Let's stand and pray, shall we? Oh, Lord, we just are in awe of you. We feel, Lord, like we're watching what God is doing. And we're so glad. Because, Lord, you're on the move. And, Lord, we want to come with you wherever you're going. As you pass through, Lord, we run after you. And, Lord, we say, lead us on that great journey, that great adventure that you have for every one of us in this room. Lord, we pray that you would break through in healing this year. We ask you as a church for significant physical, emotional, spiritual, mental healings. Lord, we ask you for that. Lord, we, we've never heard of people being heal, healed of mental illness before, Lord. It, it's so rare, and you're, you're doing this. Lord, we thank you for that. We ask you for more. We ask you for breakthrough in this whole area. Lord Jesus, we want to see many people's lives transformed. Lord, I pray you'd put celebration in our hearts all over again. Jubilee means party, means celebrate. I pray, Lord, put that celebration in our hearts. When we see the wonders of God, help us to respond, Lord, appropriately to your greatness. And Lord, I just pray, as I've shared these things, it's a little bit kind of, a bit awesome, a bit above us, a bit too much. And we're already thinking, how? How am I going to do this when I've got all that? Lord, that's, that's why we need faith to be released. And that's why we need your grace that we were singing about. So Lord, just release that now. And anybody who's just feeling overwhelmed or burdened or this is too much, I just release that off you now in Jesus' name. I just pray, Lord, would you fill us with the Holy Spirit? Because Lord, when your Spirit comes and speaks, there, what, there has to be an Amen in our hearts. I pray for that Amen amongst us today as we hear these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.